tonight, I'll be in Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 13, Luke chapter 13. It's a blessing to be with you. Thank you for the invitation, Brother Todd. I've known Brother Todd now for some time, and uh, he's a wonderful person. He gets up here and says all these nice things about me, and I don't know where all that's true or not, okay? I was listening to Adrian Rogers. I told the church this here the other day. I was listening to Adrian Rogers preach here a while back, and it said uh, a lion met a tiger as he sat beside the pool. Said the tiger to the lion, why are you roaring like a fool? I'm not foolish, said the lion with a twinkle in his eye. I'm the king of all the beasts, and so I advertise. A rabbit heard them talking, so he ran home like a streak. He thought he'd try the lion's plan, but his roar was just a squeak. A fox came to investigate, had his lunch in the woods. So, my friend, when you advertise, make sure you got the goods. <laughs> so, I don't know where all that's good or not, all right? I hope we have some goods tonight, okay? I thank the church at Highland for coming. I appreciate you being here tonight. And what a blessing you are to me for all these years. And it's always good to see your faces, and I appreciate that so very much. Uh, Luke chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading tonight in verse 6, and just read down through verse 9. Before I do that, let's just pause for a moment of prayer, and then we'll come right back and read. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, now as we come to the preaching of the Word of God, I pray you'd help me tonight. I'd like to be a blessing to those who have come to our church and also uh, to Brother Todd's church. Lord, I pray that uh, we could just worship together, and we have, Lord. We're going to do that through eternity because we're all part of your family. And dear Lord, I ask you tonight now that you would help me to be exactly what I need to be. And uh, I pray most of all, Lord, you would fill me with the Holy Spirit tonight and use me according to your will. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. <clears throat> you at the church have heard this message before. And uh, I, I, sometimes I hesitate to preach a message, um, you know, like that. But I, any, anything of the Word of God's good. It won't hurt you. It'll be a blessing. Uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Thank, thank you, whoever who did that. All right. Uh, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on the fig tree and find none. Cut it down while cumbereth hit the ground. And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I digged about it and dunged it, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. I want to talk to you on this subject tonight. Will another year make a difference? Will another year make a difference? You hear people say things like this. This year will be the best year, and uh, I believe they believe that in their heart. This year is going to be my best year. And we like to think about that. We like to think that's true. And a lot of people thought that was true last year, and they're not even no longer with us. 
And so people make that kind of statement. Here we have a tree uh, that has been given one more year. This tree that we've read about in this parable, the dresser says, let it alone for a year and let me dig about it and dung it. And if it bears fruit, well, and if not, then cut it down. So it's been given another year. Now, you know, if you read this scripture, that this tree is not talking about agriculture. It, it's, more, it's more to it than that. We've been talking about the Lord coming down through here. And also, I think it has reference to do with the Lord coming to the nation of Israel for those three years. But anyway, uh, it's, it's talking more than about agriculture. But this is it. If the Lord, I'm making an application now. If the Lord gives you another year, will it make a difference how you live for Him? If God were to give you another year, will, it be, will your life be different? Will your life be pleasing to God? The owner came to this fig tree to find fruit and found none. God had a place and a plan for this fig tree, and He wanted it to bring glory to Him. God does not exist for your pleasure. A lot of people think so, but the truth is that's the other way around. You exist for the pleasure of God. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created to be a pleasure to the Lord, and so that's why you, you were made. The life, of, the life that God has given you is about pleasing. It's not about pleasing yourself. It's about pleasing the Lord, and so to bring joy to Him. Now, notice this, if we will. Will your life be pleasing to God in how you relate to Him? The relationship we have in the Bible, it gives us many types of that. There's the relationship of a, of a father and a child, a parent and a child. There's a relationship of a master and a servant. But here in this passage, the relationship is a relationship of an owner and a possession. And whether you believe it or not or like to think about it, we are a purchased possession of God. God owns you. I have people say this to me sometimes. That's none of your business. It is my business. If you're in the church and you're doing things that's displeasing to the church or God, it makes it my business and it makes it God's business. And so we are like that tonight. How is your relationship? You're owned by God. God purchased you by His blood on the cross and so you're, you're, He owns you. You're not your own. The Bible says you're bought with a price. Now, we need to come to the place to say, God, you own me. You have the rightful possession of me. And whatever you want out of my life, that's what I want you to have. Now, that's not popular. And people don't like that, especially in America. We don't like to think about anybody owning us. But the truth is, God owns you if you're saved. You belong to Him. And so that's a wonderful thing in a way. I'm not my own. And so it's not for me to just do as I please. I'm to do what God would have me to do. It's just like your home. You own your home or your bank or the bank does one. You're, but you're working toward that, owning your home. And that belongs to you. And you have the keys to that home. And that place is like no other place 
And I'm telling you, that's the way you ought to be in your relationship to the Lord. God owns you. Not only that, but how about your response to Him? You have been given a very valuable place. God has given you a spot in His earth, just like this tree. And this tree was taken up valuable, a valuable spot. A place to grow. A place for this tree to respond and bring fruit. By the way, this tree was not very uh, responsive to the place it had been given. It was not given back what God wanted it, what God wanted that tree to give. And so God has given you a life, that gift of life. God has given you, He owns you, and He's given you a place that you can serve Him. If we are alive tonight, it's because of God's grace. It's because God has been good to you. The reason why you're here tonight is because of the grace of God. You see, you're not here just by chance. You're not here just because that uh, you're lucky. You're here because God in His matchless grace has given you a place that you can serve the Lord. So many don't care if they please God or don't please God. Listen, I'm telling you, your life ought to be a pleasing to God. Your job, you ought to be pleasing to God in your job, your family, your life, everything you have. Listen, if you live, are you, here, are you hearing this? If you live to please God at your job, at your family, if you please, to live, please God in your life, if that's your go, you're living to please God, that will eliminate a lot of things that you'll be able to do in this old world. That'll take care of a lot of things that'll just take care of themselves. A lot of things will be gone if you live for the Lord and pl- try to please Him. So, so why can't you, can't you look, God, there's many people who says this, I'm, I'm living to please God. Can you tonight actually look God right in the eye and say, God, you know I'm living to please you. Can you do that? The truth of the matter is, the majority of the time, If we were honest with God, we're not living to please God at all. We're living to please ourselves. Amen. And so uh, I believe tonight we ought to live in our relationship to God, in in our position to Him, we ought to try to please the Lord. If you live another year, if God gives you another year, if you have another opportunity to serve God, will your life be a pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well... Let me say this, will your life be productive? Notice verse 6 and 7. He spake also this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down while cumbereth hit the ground. Listen, for these three years... This is not an unreasonable thing for God to say, for the person on this tree to say, He said, I've come here three years trying to find fruit on this fig tree, and there's none. God is watching your life. He looks for fruit in your life. God is looking at you. He's looking for you to bear fruit. Does God see spiritual fruit in your life? The owner said, cut it down. Cut the tree down. And... uh, it's taking up space. There's somebody, there's somebody else or something else I can put in that place. 
There's some other fruit tree I can place where that one is. This one's not doing any good. It's not unreasonable for God to expect, if you're saved tonight, it's not unreasonable for God to expect some productivity of salvation, some proof of that in your life. After all, He has put His Holy Spirit in your life. Some evidences in your life of what God has done for you. When this world looks around and sees you, there are to be some evidence to them that God has really saved your soul and that you're a born-again person. Say amen right there. After all that He has done for us, after God, God's done in my life, in your life, uh, he, he expects that. He expects that, that He looks for that. Uh, uh, John 15, 16. Lots of times people will come to me and they want me to sign their Bible. Sometimes little children will come and they'll, they'll say, Would you sign my Bible? And so... Uh, I don't know where people started doing that. I I don't know, but that's something people do down through the years. I've had people to sign my Bible. J. Harold Smith uh, signed my Bible, and he always put, Jesus never fails. Most of the time, if somebody signs your Bible, a preacher or somebody, they'll put a verse of Scripture. If I sign someone's Bible, I put this verse of Scripture there. It's John fifteen sixteen. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bear fruit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it mentions like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. But it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit, singular, of the Spirit. You say, what's that mean? It simply means this. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, then you'll have some of those fruit in your life that there was mentioned in that. Out of your life ought to come the fruit. There ought to be some evidence in your life that you are a Christian. The God who you serve, listen, you ought to reflect the God who you serve. People ought to be somehow or another see God in you. People don't always see God in me, I'll just tell you. They don't. Sometimes I, I, I do things, I say things, I, I mess up, and people don't always see me. I always see God in me, but I really want God to be reflected in my life. I would like for people to see the Lord in my life. How about you? There's things in my life I would like for people to say, Hey, that guy's like the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like for people to see that, a reflection of the Lord. God expects that, and God expects us to be fruitful. And, and that's a wonderful thing to think about, and we need to, we need to do that. Uh, we are not interested in what God is interested in many times in our life. Many times in the... At the end of the year, you know, people start making resolutions. They make uh, resolutions to do this and do that. And the majority of re- resolutions that people make have nothing to do with God. They have to do with herself. I'm going to lose weight. I, I'm gonna, your, your resolution has more to do with the way you look than the way you live. Now, now li- losing pounds are not bad. But I'm going to tell you, losing 10 or 15 pounds ain't going to help you much. I'm just telling you. And so you could lose that if you want to, and that's all right. If you do, I'm not against that. I'm not trying to tell you I'm against that. I'm just saying this. Many times we're more interested and concerned in how we look, and God is more interested in how we live. He is more interested in our life, how we do, how we walk, our, our intentions, our, 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 our uh, attitudes and things like it. He's more interested in that. So... God encourages fruitfulness. When we think about God in our life, He encourages us 
to be fruitful. There is this three years the person has come looking for fruit on this tree. Now, listen. He said, let, let, let me give it one more year. The, the man who owned the, the fruit tree came to his vineyard. And he said, I've come three years here looking for fruit on this tree. I found none. He said, just cut it down. But there was somebody there that said to him, listen. The dresser of that vineyard said, listen. Let's give that tree one more year. Let us dig it and dung it, and, and let's, let, let us see what happens. Let us, let us do those things about it. Work hard to get it to be fruitful. Matter of fact, God's working hard in your life trying to get you to be fruitful. Thank God for Jesus who sees to it that the fruit that God expects us will take place. Amen. Listen, you say, I'm going through a hard time. God may be trying to get you to bear fruit. You say, I'm having trouble. Well, God may be getting you to a place where you could be more productive for Him. Matter of fact, we do better when we're having trouble many times than we do when things are going smooth. And so he, He's trying to get us to do that. Jesus is trying to do that. How is He trying to do that? Well, there's some things He wants to remove. Notice what the, notice what the keeper said, let us dig it. In other words, let us go out there and cultivate around that thing and dig around that tree and there may be some things that need to come out away from that tree and God says in our lives let us dig about it let's remove it there may be some things in your life that need to be removed that's hindering you from being the kind of person that you ought to be there may be some habit there may be a career there may be other things in your life that you don't I know that you don't like to hear that I understand that I don't like to hear that myself but there may be things in your life that you need to get out of your life. There's some things, if it hinders you from being the Christian you ought to be, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to junk it. You ought to, you ought to throw it in the trash. Amen. There's many people, there's many Christians in church that would be more fruitful if they weren't involved in so many things around them that's keeping them from being the kind of person they ought to be. If what you're doing is keeping you out of church, if what you're doing is keeping you from paying your tithes, if what you're doing is keeping you from witnessing, if what you're doing is keeping you from being faithful, then I'm telling you something, you need to throw that thing aside and say, listen, God is trying to get that out of my life so I can be used of the Lord. Not only does he say, let's dig about it, but he also says, let's dung it. What does that mean? <clears throat> that means let's fertilize it. Jesus is working to get near to us. There's some things that you need to be more near to you. Jesus is working to get near to you. What does that mean? Well, that, may, that might be spending more time in the Word of God. You're never going to be what you ought to be if you don't read the Bible. I'll just tell you that right now. <clears throat> You'll never be strong in the faith without reading the Bible. You say, what, how do you say that? Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And if you don't, many people are content to come to church on Sunday, listen to their preacher, quote a few verses, listen to their preacher, or in Sunday school, read from the Bible a few verses, <clears throat> and they never pick up the Bible the rest of the week. Listen, you ought to make a commitment to God that you're going to spend some time in God's Word every day of your life. And forgive us for not doing that. Say amen. amen. Not only are we spend time in God's Word, but we are to spend more time communing with the Lord ourselves. How, what's that mean? That means praying. That means spending time with God in prayer. Listen, you can't be what you ought to be without praying. It's impossible. 
If you, would you like to see God? What would you like to see God do? What would you like to see God do in this meeting? What would you like to God do in your life? What would you like to see God do in this church, in our church? What would you like to see God move this year and do a work for us? What would you really like to see God to do? Well, I'll tell you, won't you talk to Him about it? Ask Him about it. Ask Him if you need to do something. Talk to Him. Pray. The only way you'll ever know is if you, if you snuggle up close to God and listen to Him. Amen. That's really true. The only way you'll ever know that as if you get close to the Lord. So He may be trying to fertilize your life. He may be trying to get you to get into, words God, into the Word of God or commune with God. And then to f- spend fellowship with fellow Christians. It's a blessing to come to church. There's something about being around God's people. It's just You can't replace that. There's just something about being with God's people that you're fellowshipping with one another. And uh, you know... All of us tonight, there's not a person in this room that's perfect. Not a person. Now, you may think you are, but there's not a person. You may think you've arrived, but you've not. Now, I'm just telling you. All of us have problems. And I don't know about you, but I've been around people before that's helped me to be a better Christian. I remember one time I was out in Arizona. Matter of fact, I'm fixing to go back in November. And I used to go every year. I've been for about, about every, for the last 20 years. I've been every year. And for, since this COVID, I've not been able to go. And the church took an offering for me this morning to help me go. And I appreciate you doing that. And I didn't mean you for you to give tonight. And, but anyway, if you did, it's okay. But I, I, didn't, I didn't mean for you to do that. And, and Todd, you know, I, it makes me feel bad when I, when I, when I do that. But anyway... Uh, I was in church one time, and they was going to take up an offering for me. And the preacher, and the preacher, this guy was wasn't the preacher. Another guy, he got up and he said, uh, "We're going to take up an offering, for Brother Terry." And, and he said, "Brother Terry, he said, lead us in prayer." I said, I, I, "I said what? I mean, I mean, what would you what would you pray for if they were going to take an offering for you and you pray?" Well, I stumbled and stuttered. If that ever happens again, I won't be like that. I'll say, God help them. Just open up their pocketbook. I mean, get, get them again. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, anyway, what, what was we talking about there? Arizona. I was out in Arizona, and, and uh, there's this man out there. This old preacher had told me something, and I told him. I told this other guy that. That guy rebuked me right there in front of everybody. I mean, he let me have it. But he did it in a kind way. And I tell you, I'm not mad at him tonight at all. I love that man. His name's Bobby Leonard. He's a great man. And I tell you, he's a, he's a matter of fact, I was down in his church just about a couple months ago in a revival. But I'm telling you, it helped me. And sometimes we get to, we get to fellowship with people, and they'll, they'll kind of draw you away sometime. But if you really are around the right kind of people, it'll make you closer to the Lord. Amen. I, I'm, I'm telling you. It's nothing wrong with us talking about things that go on in their life. Work, sports, those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, there's something about getting around God's people who put that in perspective. Amen. I mean, they put that in the right order, in the right place, and it takes the right position. And I'm telling you, being with God's people will help you. And God says in our life, maybe I ought to fertilize that. And maybe it'll help you if you get around God's people. You you you, you uh, fellowship with them just a little bit more. So he said, he said this this uh, this keeper of the vineyard said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you've come three years, but let's give it one more year. Let me dig about it and let me dung it. Let me fertilize it. 
And so there's some things God tries to get out of our life to make us fruitful. And there's some things God tries to put in our life to make, her, make us fruitful. If year after year, you don't bear any fruit, is God to bear with our spiritual barrenness? Is God just to deal with our spiritual You never have any spiritual barrenness. And, and I, I know some people's, uh, I know some people's uh, personality is more outgoing than other people. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You, are you with me? Come here and listen to this. If you really get right with God, God will put people on your heart, a burden for sinners. And you may not be able to go to them and give them some big uh, oratory like a preacher does. But I'm telling you, at work or at school or somewhere, you've been burdened for that girl. You've been burdened for that man, that boy. And somehow God will burden your heart and you will begin to speak to them and they'll realize that you are not just speaking from yourself, but God is moving in your life. I'm going to tell you, that'll help you, friend. That'll help you as God to bear our barrenness. Now, third, let me say this. Will your life be belonged by God? You know, it's, you have a, you're in a danger of being cut down. Now, I know everybody that gets sick and dies is not into some kind of sin. I understand that. But I do know this, too. There are people in heaven that wouldn't be there if they'd live right. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about maybe somebody a long time ago who's old or whatever. But I'm talking about young people. There's plenty of young people in the graveyard that wouldn't be there if they had obeyed the Lord. You're, you're in danger of being cut down. The, the cares, listen, uh, the caretaker said, let me give it one more year. And uh, he requested of this, of this caretaker was, let me just give it one more year. Now, now God is patient. And God, God is also just. He's patient. He, he, he works with us, but He's also just. Think about that. Now, let me, let me talk to you just a little bit right here. Where you are, a, the patience of this parable reveals that this tree got one more year. That tells me God is long-suffering. But God, He does give people second chances. And, and we all ought to be thankful for that. Because there's times we, we get out there away where we shouldn't be. And you say, well, I never have done that. Well, I, I don't know about that. That's, as far as my life is concerned, I know this to be true. I've, uh, I've, I've been raised in church. My mom and dad took me to church all my life. And uh, from a child, from the time I was born, and even before I was born, of course, I was inside my mama, and she, she went to church. But after I was born, there was, there was never a time that we didn't go to church. I cannot ever remember getting up on Sunday morning and going somewhere else. We just didn't do that. We, we, never, we never did that. Never one time in my life can I ever remember asking my mom or dad, are we going to church today? That was not an issue in our family. I mean, it was just a common knowledge. If you weren't sick, and I'm not talking about the sniffles, I'm talking about at the point of death, you, did, you didn't miss church. I'm just telling you. That's kind of been ingrained in me, and I like it. 
Now don't get quiet on me. Don't get quiet on me. And uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, but in my life, let me get back to what I was talking about. In my life, although I've been in church all my life, I made a profession of faith when I was eight years old. I told my church this the other day. I made a profession of faith when I was eight years old. I was baptized, joined church, the whole deal. I, I remember one time when I was just a, just a child, younger than that, there used to be some missionaries who came up the holler where I lived every Sunday evening at 2 o'clock, and they'd take us up to a little school called Ramsey School, and they would uh, teach us Bible lessons, and they would do this flanograph thing. Miss Gideon's, Miss Robinson, Miss Gideon's was one that usually did that. And uh, I remember one time at Vacation Bible School, one summer, kneeling on the floor of that school and asking the Lord to save me during that time. But when I was about 12 years old, I came to church one Sunday morning. We had two rows of pews like this, not three. And I sat right back there on, the, on this side, right back there. And that morning when I came to church, we had a visitor preacher. He got up and he preached that morning. And when he preached that morning, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me. And I got up out of my pew and I started walking down the aisle. And God saved me somewhere. Either back there, out in the aisle, down here. Somebody, some people fuss about that because they, they say, well, you ought to know the exact spot. Well, here in a few days, I'm going to fly to Arizona. And when we fly into the state of Arizona, I ain't going to know when I get there. You know, because I'm in a plane. But when it sets down, I'll know I'm there. But in the air, I won't know. So I was kind of in the air. Amen. So I don't know if I was saved when I got up, when I stepped out, when I walked down. I remember this. When I, when I knelt right there, I said, God, save me. And you know, it's not the prayer you pray, no way. It's the person you're receiving. Yeah, yeah. Right. Salvation is not about a prayer. It's about a person. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I, I was willing that morning to do anything. I was willing to turn from my sins. And I was a sinner. I was a bad one. I was just a young boy, but I'd, I'd done bad things. But I'm telling you, God, God forgave me. Hallelujah. Now, I'm on, I, I wish I could tell you tonight that I'd never done anything wrong, that I'd never sinned, that I'd never got out of, that I'd never got, well, I'd never been out of church, really. I've always went to church, but that I'd never been, I, every time I went to church, I was right where I need to be. But I can't tell you that. Matter of fact, there's been times I've been pretty far away. But God does give us second chances. He gave Jonah a second chance. He gave Simon Peter a second chance. He gave uh, the, the prodigal son a second chance. I'm glad that God gives second chances, aren't you? God is merciful. He's full of mercy. But the fact that He, that you and I, hear God and He gives us another opportunity. The fact of that, the fact that this tree was there and it gave hit another year, the fact that you and, that you and I are here is the fact that God has given you another opportunity. God has given you an opportunity to serve Him. God has given you the gift of today. You may not do anything about yesterday and you can't do anything about that. It's gone. It's over with. It's in the past. But I'm telling you, you can do a lot about what you have left. Now, notice the precaution in this parable that it reveals to us. Just because God has given you this year, we've just come through COVID, and a lot of people have died during that time. 
And you've survived it because you're here. You may have had it. How many people's had COVID in here? That's about all of us. And I'm going to tell you, you who didn't raise your hand, just get ready because you'll probably get it too. I, mean, I, I hate to be a barrier of bad news, but if you ever had a cold, I mean, it's a virus. You're liable to get it. <clears throat> Say amen right there. Well, don't lose me. I'm about through. Did somebody shout there? Did I see somebody shouting there? I'm almost through. I'm, I'm, I'm about to the end. The precaution here, just because God has given you this year, doesn't mean that you're going to get another year. Uh, just don't assume you have many years ahead. I'm, I'm 63 years old. I'm not that old, but I'm not that young. I'm getting to the point that I read the obituaries and lots of people are in there my age and a lot younger than I am. Lots of people. Most people are about my age and younger. So I realize that, that life could stop for me in this world at any time. Don't miss taking God's patience for God's tolerance. Don't think He will give you just another year so you could be a shade tree in His vineyard. He's not looking for shade trees. He's looking for fruit-bearing people. God's looking for people who bear fruit, a vineyard. He's not going to let you stay right there, right on and on. Living this year as this year may be, this may be my last year. I don't know. This may be the last year I ever live. I don't know that. But I need to, I need to realize that if God gives me this year, I need to live for Him as best I can. I need to live a life that's serving Him. I don't want to waste what time I have left that God has given me. Are you like that? Wouldn't you want to serve God? I don't know how long I'll live. I have no idea. I know my family, most of my family don't live to be too old. Now, Vicky's family, they live forever. Uh, she might as well get ready. I'd say she'll need her another husband or something. I don't know, but anyway, uh, I, 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 my, my family don't live that long, so I don't know how much time I got. But ever how much time I got left, I want to serve God with that. That reminds me, and I'm gonna close right here. That reminds me of another tree. It didn't look like it was a blessed tree. It looked like it was a forsaken tree. And there was hanging a man on that tree. That tree was a dead-looking tree. It looked like no fruit could ever come from that tree. But from that tree came everlasting life. Jesus gave it. This year, if God gives you this year, it may be a cross. But listen to this. I don't know what I'll have to face, and you don't know what you'll have to face. But if you submit to God... It will be a fruitful, you'll be a fruitful tree. We must bear fruit to bring glory to God. I don't know what this year holds, but whatever it holds, I want to be submitted to the Lord, and I want to be fruitful in whatever time I have left. Don't you? I want to be, Brother Todd, I want to be a fruitful person. I want to bear fruit. Listen, I think all of us could say that tonight. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitational song. Do you, what do you do for it? Do you play or what do you do, Todd? Okay. Okay. 
In just a minute, we're going to have an invitational song. Todd, he's going to take care of that for us. This is what I'd like for you to do. If God has spoken to you tonight about some area that we've talked about, and, uh, you know, this is the first night of revival, and sometimes it's, it's, not as, it's not as easy maybe to preach like the first night as it is after you kind of look around and get to know people and things like that. But God's the same God. And God has been here tonight. The presence of the Lord's been here. I promise you that. I, I know that's true. And so if sometime during this message, if God put His finger on that spot in your life, he said, that, right there, that's it, right, right there, right there, that's it. And all of a sudden you say, oh, 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 that, that, that's me. That's, that's not the whole group. That's, that's God's speaking to me right there. And sometime in this sermon, God has put His finger on that spot in your life or something He needs to take out or add to or you've just become, become a complacent where you are. Why don't you get up out of your pew and make your way down here to the front and say, God, for the rest of my life, I want to serve you to my dying breath. And I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to be a tree that bears fruit. I want to stand before you one day and hear you say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Why don't you obey the Lord? Will you do that? Let's stand. Brother Todd, you come. If God's dealing with you about that, will you make your way down here and just find you a place and pray and just do some business with God?